Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts. Welcome back, race fans, to the first episode of 2024 for the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast. I'm joined here today by my co-host, Rebecca Davis. Rebecca, how are you doing? I'm doing great, counting down the days to Florida, although I think we had a taste of that today here in Michigan. We hit about 70, 75 degrees, so uh, it, it whetted my appetite for, for the warm weather to come. Yeah, what what a big change from your fantastic cross country ski races here in the the recent past. Uh, yeah, you're gonna go from cross country ski racing to Florida, so you're kind of jealous. Ryan Matthews, how are you doing this evening? I am doing really well, Bill. I'm really excited to be on this episode tonight. And uh, yeah, how about yourself? I, I am doing fantastic, absolutely spectacular. Um, unlike Rebecca, I have been weightlifting heavy all winter long. And I have to tell you, I've been, uh, I'm calling it a bulk, but really the only thing that's getting bigger might be the belly. And that's all right, right? <laughs> you know, hey, I've been eating good. I've been eating good. And that's important. Ryan, I know we got a couple of great guests in the studio tonight. Who do we have tonight? Yeah, we have uh, Peter Heed. Uh, he's uh, a longtime paddler from uh, New Hampshire. Uh, he has, if, if you count the uh, General Clinton amateur race, he has 67 Triple Crown starts uh, since 1992, which is tied for the most, uh, tied with Steve Lajoie for the most. And uh, we also have uh, Jeff DeFeo joining us. Uh, he's from Massachusetts, and uh, he has 56 Triple Crown starts of his own. Um, and uh, he also has paddled with the most Asable Marathon rookies. So should be a great episode with these gentlemen. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome very much. I, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, they, these are two people, like we've got all three of us tonight. These are two people that all three of us wanted to talk to. Uh, Peter... Very important part of my own professional canoe racing career in that when I was just trying to figure this out, I bought a used copy of his book. I, so oh I did. He wrote a fantastic book with, I believe it was Dick Mansfield. Um, yes. And I have just about worn that thing out. So I have going over it over and over and over again. I was on the road a lot for work, bought the book and just read the crap out of that thing. Peter, thank you for that. And Jeff DeFeo, also part of my own personal story in that uh very first marathon feeding experience 2014 my buddy mike schmidt called me up and was like hey bill i need some help feeding and i was like who are we feeding for and he's like this really cool guy from the east coast by the name of jeff defeo that's been in the sport a fantastic time he's like just do it and i was like no absolutely not <laughs> and he finally pressured me into it and i fed for jeff that night all the way to mayo and it was an absolutely amazing experience i still have his t-shirt with uh emily i believe it's emily Broderson, right? She's married it, now. It was Johnson so, yeah. at that time. Yeah. Johnson, yeah. Yep, yep, for sure. P Peter and Jeff, thank you so much for what you've done for the sport. Welcome. Well, you you guys, welcome so much, uh, Rebecca, Bill, Ryan. I, I, I can't tell you how much uh, we appreciate having an opportunity to be on here. And I've been listening to your podcasts and what you three have 
and and of course Kevin, who started this thing, I mean, have done for the sport, the promotion, the to get people excited about the sport we love is is just terrific. And of course, uh, Carson and Kyle have got a podcast going. And the world is so different than when Jeff and I started. And, and what you have here, two older guys, I think, who really love this sport and paddled with so many people over so many years, and. You know, uh, we're we're sort of in the, in the middle of the pack out there, and we're all still loving it every single minute, and we're going to keep coming as long as uh, uh, our health holds up. Right, Jeff? Yep, till they can't make the cutoffs anymore. And start <laughs> that's that's awesome. Now, now, Jeff, you're already down in Florida training, right? Yeah, we actually winter down here. We've had a place here since um, 2008. So my framing days outside in the winter are over now. <laughs> Try to get cleaned up before Christmas and get down and then head back uh, early April. Right, right on, right on. And Peter, you're heading down, I'm guessing, shortly? Oh, so excited about the Florida Paddle Camp. I Again, I was talking to Rebecca a little bit. To bring a little perspective, we've been going to Florida camp since uh, early 90s when uh, it used to go to Gene Jensen's house. Uh, on on the Withlacoochee and Inverness, so Trish and I still go to Inverness because we've always gone to Inverness and uh, and it's right on the rail trail and uh, and the, and and now there's a huge group of course in Denellen and then uh, up at the Swanee, the the Michigan guys, you 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 folks have the best wonderful initiation of training up there and and uh, it's just such a great time to get down to Florida and then see Jeff with his uh, nice tan and everything. I'm always jealous <laughs> of Jeff now. Well, I was fortunate to get to meet Gene going the early days to his house. He was um, wasn't paddling anymore at that point, but um, what a guy! Just uh, and, and just to give you a little the, historical, yeah, perspective, Jeff. Do you remember we would show up at Gene's and usually Al Rudquist or somebody be there, and Gene would have a brand new strip boat. We'd all go out and try it, and he asked us what we think. And then at night he'd put a little volume in the stern or do something to the front, and next day he'd say, "Look, I've done this. I've done that. Try it again." And we'd all try it again. And, oh, this stinks in the shallows. It's good in cement water. And then he'd go back and change it again. When he finally got something like he tinkered with it, he'd send it to Chickenowski and Crozier, and they would uh, they they mold it for the next year. And that's how things developed. Not, no computers, no no science, just just no. trial and error. And Gene uh, applying his genius to paddling. It was so much fun. And what a sense of humor. Really sharp, boy. You better oh. pay attention around Gene, Mark. He'd rip you, and you wouldn't even know it. Yeah. Oh yeah, you. It, it, was, a, story, it was a story. That guy could remember every detail, oh. every race he ever did. We oh. just sit there on the living room floor, could listen to him for hours. <laughs> so true. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting down on the Swanee this year. We're hopefully this podcast is out uh, when when we get there, maybe a little before for the drive, but. It sounds like we have a pretty good mix of uh, Texas, Michigan, and uh, Quebec paddlers coming again this year, which is always super fun. Um, I think you guys get a little better weather further south. Uh, my dad loves, though, that we can paddle three rivers without having to get in the car. So <laughs> that's why he's partial to the Swanee. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But I, I don't think you can go wrong by, by going south at south to florida in, in the early season that's for sure well and the joys of florida is is that there's basically somebody down there if you want to go paddle somewhere there's somebody down there all winter long right 
you really have no excuse if you go to Florida and you want to paddle and you don't paddle because somebody somewhere can get you in a boat. Yeah, I was. I I think in the week or two you're down there, uh, you get to paddle with more people in more different situations uh, than you can a a whole season back home. It's I I, when I'm there, I get like, you know, 30 to 40 hours and, and four or five hours with all sorts of different people. It's just fabulous. So when we all head back uh, from Florida here in a few weeks, or I guess at the uh, beginning of April or whenever whenever you're coming back, Jeff, uh, you guys in, in Necra in the, the New England division, you guys uh, kind of kicked the season off hot and heavy. I've been out for the rat race before, which I'm sure you both have done a million times. Um, <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit about that and some of your other early season races? Because I think it is just such a unique event and it's so cool. <laughs> it's unique. You back, Jeff? Um, yeah. Yeah, I will be back for the rat race, but I'm not doing it this year. I'm going to be doing a whitewater race in Ontario with Sarah Lassard that we've done, um, I don't know, three or four years now. And they just both happen to be on the same day this year. Ah. Which but race I'll set is that? my boat over, so the boat will be in. So hopefully they'll get the numbers up. Yeah. Well, the rat race is, a, again, if you're a paddler, it really should be on your bucket list, don't you think, Rebecca? I mean, it's the craziest, wildest uh, race. Uh, it's only five miles on this, you know, in Athalta Orange on the Millers River. Uh, but it's so unique because you get, well, we used to get two to 300 boats. And, of course, they have their own unique specs. It's like no other boat. 18 feet it doesn't comply with any other spec they just they did it that way in some bar in 1960 something and that's the way they're they're sticking to it so everybody in new england has a what's called a rat boat right rebecca did you get a rat boat when you came yeah so so mike and i bought a rat boat last year we've not seen it and we've not raced it but we have it and it is ready um, it will be racing this year. I'm not sure that one of us will be in it, but I've, I've had some, uh, it might go to the highest bidder. So, uh, Excellent. yeah, I, hopefully it's a fast one. You know, it's kind of hard to you buy it sight unseen. Yeah. But. So you, <laughs> you, you totally just like once a year and Gene actually built it for me. Gene, we gave him the specs and of course he was challenged to do it. So he came up with a couple different designs, but so, so your listeners understand you draw numbers like it's, Bingo on steroids the night before. You have this huge draw, and everybody cheers, and they draw the numbers out, and if, and and you know you line up according to your number, and if you're toward the back of the pack, everybody's drinking beer, and there there everybody's gone home, and uh, if you're in the front, you got a real you got a real chance, and it's also just so you know, it's not the usual rules of canoe racing. We all understand the rules of uh, the it's sort of unwritten rules that there are no rules, so. My first experience, I was with Bobby McDowell in 1983. We we had a boat we borrowed, and we're putting in, and these guys are doing shots of scotch on the on the bank in an aluminum boat, and they put in right next to us. And Bobby says, look, guys, uh, you just give us a second. We'll be out of your way, you know? And they looked at us, and they went, screw you guys. We're in this race, too. He said, let's ram them, which they did. They rammed us right off that. And that's what they try to do. They try to ram you if you're a good paddler, and you try to get down the sides and get away. But it, it's what a blast. What a blast. What, how about you, Jeff? You had fun doing it? I have. Um, for years, I couldn't do it because it was the same weekend as the Westfield. And um, yes. at one point, I called Dave Flint over there and said, this is nuts. You know, we both, these are the two biggest races in 
Massachusetts at that on the same day. And he was getting pressured at that time from the Army Corps to they didn't want to hold water that late. So he moved back a week and we moved up two weeks. But we weren't conflicting anymore. And uh, yeah, since then, it's been a yeah. blast. I remember that. The good, and the good news is that there's they now have a regular pro race, uh, a 12 mile, you know, back and forth yep. Yeah. With with regular pro the next day, so for paddlers coming a long distance, you have another really good race to do on Sunday. So it's really worth worth the trip. It's an experience. Everybody should do it at least once. So, so you have yeah. 100 plus boats. How wide is this river? Uh, n- not real wide. Uh, what do you know? It's I I don't know what I compare it to. Uh, like down around. Uh, hmm. Is it maybe? I, 30 or 40 feet wide at the start. It, it's not super wide, and we kind of are lined up on a turn. So there's all okay. these, uh, like, number one. Yeah, number one is kind of on the inside of the turn. And then actually, like, 100 might be better than 50 because yeah. you're right on kind of the apex of the turn. Yes. So you can, like, slingshot yeah. out into the Eight current. 90. Great number, Rebecca. But after that. All hell breaks loose, so every, <laughs> yeah. every person for themselves out there. Sounds yeah. like a, you know, bit you of organized can't, chaos. You can't see the start. You're a quarter mile up, and you hear everybody yelling. You know, they used to yell, "Less filling tastes great." Yes, but then the gun would go off, and you know, oh my god. Anyway, and um, if someone um, blows an air mass- horn on shore when the gun's supposed to go off, it's just mass chaos, and everyone's in the middle of the river. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I, when yeah. I've gone out a handful of times and I don't know if I want to draw like a low number so I can have a good race or a really high number so I can get like the full money's worth yeah. experience, you know. The it's... Full experience. <laughs> and, and they do give an award for passing the most boats. So that's one of the they big do. awards. Yeah. About five, five years ago, I guess I got Sarah Lassard to come down and we drew number two. Oh, and I, I, now, you know, I'm never going to do any better. But last year, Brianna Fitzgerald and I were drew number one right up. Oh wow, Polk! Yeah, people gonna be I rubbing should, your head for luck or something, man. I should paddle with you, Jeff. I've never had anything below forty something. Then you, oh, that's great. <laughs> but then the pressure's on, you know. Yeah. You come back from a hundred back, and oh. you know, not so much pressure, but it was that's fun. With, one thing with those rat boats, at least the few times I've been out there, is it seems like you can go really fast for about five minutes. Yeah. And then it's like everyone's the same speed after that. So. Yeah, you let off even the slightest. Those things just, they just die on you. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder they yeah. never caught on beyond Ethel. Oh, yeah, but it is it is definitely, so um, I can't wait to to go back. I, I don't know if it's in the cards this year with the little ones, but it, it's, uh, I got to get out there and race my boat and see if I bought a dud, you know, I, I don't think so, but. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's a Morris. I'm real happy with it. It goes well. What, what is yours, Jeff? Uh, Morris. Bob Morris. Strip okay. Yeah. okay. Morris canoe. Yep. Yep. Beautiful strippers member. And Bob used to go down to jeans and learned a lot of, about the building boats from Gene. They, yeah. they worked together for years. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure mine is great. So, I, I, you know, I know that the family you sold it to me. I, I trust them uh, implicitly, and I, I'm happy to carry on the tradition even if I'm not there. But it, it is uh, – <laughs> I have borrowed boats before and shown up, and you're never quite sure what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. 
But beggars you, can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah, you two just kind of like stole a question that I was going to ask anyways, right? Uh, so I'm going to ask the question now, maybe a little bit out of order. Uh, one of the things that I love to do is, is travel and race, right? And the, the, the Clinton is uniquely magnificent in and of its own self. I had a chance to run down to her fly down to uh, Mac race number four, the night race in Texas, which was a spectacular event that everyone needs to, to witness. It, and part of the joys of these different events is that, you know, in Michigan, we're very pro centric, right? Um, you get outside of Michigan and they race a lot of different boats. So you can kind of answer this question, however you like, if there's a race that you would recommend for people to travel to, to experience. Hmm. Yeah, outside the rat race. Jeez. Yeah, well, may, maybe the rat race was the answer, right? You can just go, hey, Bill, asked well, and answered. Yeah, Jeff, with Jeff and I, I don't know about you, Jeff, but one of the things I think we both started paddling in whitewater. New England has huge. Uh, we have a whole se- Necra has a whole series of whitewater races as well. They call them downriver as well as your classic uh, pro type races, and they are a blast. And and J- listen, Jet, nobody better than Jeff on some of these whitewater races. You should have seen him in the Westfield, which he ran for years. And t- tell him a little about the Westfield, Jeff. You're you're well, so good at it. The Westfield uh, is going to be 60, the 69th this year. Um, the whitewater race is an eight-mile um, the lower stretch. We used to call that the novice, but it's really not for novices. You need to be at, um, you know pretty competent. And then the upper five, so the 12-mile expert race, that one is really technical. And uh, about the middle of the term, my buddy and I were running at Jurgen Eigel. Um, we put a, we decided we'd run a pro whitewater race, and we put we raised four thousand uh, uh, dollars. First prize. Pro whitewater. The whitewater, yeah, twelve mile race. Um, so we got on the phone and called up Serge, who I didn't know at all, but I called him up, told him what was going on, and he and Zavril came down for uh, the first three years and won it um, pretty much sight unseen. They, they ran, uh, came down the night before. They had a couple teams show them the upper part. I thought that actually it was actually the uh, Saturday of the rat race. They raced the rat race on Saturday, Saturday up and then came over to our place. Did their practice run. I thought we'd only show them the top, but he said, no, we want to see the whole thing. So we showed them the whole 12 miles. By the time we got to the end, it was dark. And they had borrowed a boat because uh, one of the rules of uh, the pro race was ABS boats only and not long 17 feet. So it was pretty much like a stock car race. The boats were all equal. Um, we got down to the end. And they said, is there any place we can go? We got to work on this boat. When I was following <laughs> them down, I come through. Uh, they were heading into one of the bigger rapids. And I see Serge doesn't have his life jacket on anymore. And I'm thinking. No, it's spring, and he, he was sitting on it because the seat was so low he couldn't see. So when I got down, I took him to my buddy's house, and they ripped the seats out, um, ripped the float bags out, and for, I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock at night before he finished everything. And uh, then we were eating cold pizza in my buddy's kitchen. <laughs> and the next morning, they thought they, they, thought they might want to run the top again, but then they said, no, I think we're okay. And um, yeah, they won, but first first time they had been there i remember that i remember them showing up with this abs sundowner and then we went over to look at it it was all carbon ports carbon seats 
carpet and we're going, what's this? Upstairs. Well, that was the second and third year. Yeah, the first year they borrowed oh, yeah. the boat from um, Berkshire Outfitters. Oh, yes. Berkshire, yeah. But then he got the second year they got a haul from um, down here in Florida from um, ah. the, uh, the guy that was Mohawk. I can't remember his name now. But it was down here in Longwood, just the shell. And they did. They outfitted that carbon forts, gunnels, sliding seats. They won the race again, got the thousand dollars there, left the boat with us, and we sold that for fifteen hundred. So they actually made more more money selling the boat. And then they did that again the third year with a Winona. Set it all up, raced, and then and then Serge got too busy building boats that yeah. time here, and he did it for three yeah. years, didn't come back. But um, and they were so gracious, it was great. Of course, getting him to come made it legit. And of course, the newspapers were there and the TV, and they were real. Both he and Zav were great with yeah, talking yeah. to everybody, and kids just wanted to know who he was, you know, and they had heard the, the stories. And, uh, uh, and, and you have to understand, Bill, it's a big party atmosphere, too, because there's one giant rapid that anybody who can paddle decently goes, you know, goes to left or right, and can, but all the, the re recreational people go right down the middle, and, and 80% of them just sink. And then they're all swimming, and the scuba divers are saving them, right, Jeff? And uh, yep. and, and there are people are cheering. You know, my gosh, it's it, it's so a I, real. I, yeah, I've did whitewater exactly one time. Uh, we were down in North Carolina on the Nantahala, and Nantahala, we rented a sure. yeah, we we had rented a, a a cabin down there. Uh, Amy and I, my wife, and we had watched people do this, and it's damn controlled and everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing this, right? Absolutely. And she's, <laughs> she's my ride die. She'll do anything, right? Like, absolutely fantastic, fantastic person. So we're in this, like, tandem kayak, inflatable kayak. And yeah, I'll never forget, we had, yeah, we had no idea where we were supposed to be or anything. They'd kind of given us a little bit of an introduction. But they were like, you know, stay over here. Don't go there. And next thing you know, the people in front of us are, like, screaming. And that's when we realized we were somewhere where we shouldn't have been. And she's like, what do I do? And I was like, meh, we'll be all right. We'll be fine. So we just sent it right over. I think it's Delmar's Rock or something like that. I, I forget what it's called. Well, it's they a big pull you right there in the yeah. front of the yeah, cabins. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, they, they pull you off before the, the big final section, and they give you this little brief, and they're like, okay, what we want you to do is we want you to go here. It's safer. And it's basically like, the, I don't want to call it the coward's line or anything like that, but it's like, it's it's definitely the tourist line. And I, I look at the guy and I'm like, so what happens if we just like go for it and do the main run? And he's like, you'll be fine-ish. And if you fly out, just keep your feet and hands up, right? Yeah. And we get back in and Amy's like, we're, we're going right right down the pro line, aren't we? And I was like, absolutely. I've watched this thing on YouTube. We are going for it. And we just like nailed it. It was epic. I've got the photos. It was like one of the greatest moments ever. Um, so the next morning we went back and it's for, for those of you that have never been there, there's like a resort area with a restaurant and stuff at the end, right? Where all the pictures are taken and everything. And we went back because I had to get some photos of this epic whitewater situation that we just like conquered the day before. I was so proud of myself. And there was no flipping water at all. It's a <laughs> damn controlled river. Turned they it weren't off. letting water out. You could have walked across and not got your ankles wet. It was like, you got to be, where, where's the water? I wanted my picture. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, you'd love the how West. big, how but big Rebecca, is that yeah. at Westfield? Like, how what's the what class is that, or what what's the variety? There? Uh, there's some 
some three class three and there's one class four drop Over. in the board. One, one big drop. Ooh. Yeah, that, that one and, is really technical. You got to be right on. Yeah. Way to and go. What are, it's a bypass. It's a little slower. So it's a little safer. But um, it was funny. I got uh, in 2008, I got Amy Solak to come out and do it with me. And uh, I remember that. Paddled down through the gorge, and it happened to be it was 70 degrees both days that weekend, which is absolutely unheard of. And uh, so we paddled down through the gorge, and there's 40 foot granite cliffs in there. And uh, we get down through, and she says, uh, when it finally calmed down a little, she says, "Oh my God, it's beautiful in there." And I said, "Oh yeah, I guess it is. You know, we never really, never really, <laughs> and don't really look at it. But coming from Michigan, where everything was flat, thought it was." Print. Rebecca, you know, one other race I would mention that, that used to be a race to come to in New England and maybe coming back was the run of the Charles. I think you remember, you've done that, right, with Mike? And yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was right in depth for people who don't know, right in downtown Boston and on the Charles River. It's all historical and there's these long portages. And one of the portages is like almost a mile right on the course of the Boston Marathon. So you're running with a boat and they're all you know, looking at you like, where are you guys? Right down the city. And uh, it used to be, remember that you had quite a bit of money there and they used to, guys from Canada and Serge and, and Steve, every, uh, you know, Andy used to come out. But uh, uh, after COVID, that ended for a while. And, but they're trying to bring it back, Jeff, the run of the Charles. So that might be something to think about in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that was always one of my favorite uh, kickoff races to the year. It's super cool. Um, the Portagings a little tough but i think that's made it really unique and it made it go a lot faster but i think that's the only race that i like have successfully got mike to completely black out in um they start the mixed like separate of the men's field so we were grinding down uh we we actually snuck out pack of guys that like completely weren't expecting it because we started three minutes back they were riding and we were you know, hard charging to, to get up to him. But yeah. Um, yeah, we went so hard that at the end, like Mike couldn't, he couldn't hear when I called the huts and then he was like, couldn't see. Oh, <laughs> um, so, but we made it before he fell out. So that was all good. And then he recovered. <laughs> Very good. Cracking the well, wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But nowadays, the, at least in the Northeast, the race to come to before the, the, the General Clinton would, would be Canton if you're going to come out. A lot of people come to Canton, which that's more northern New York, but it's still northeast. And I know, Rebecca, a lot of you folks, have, a lot of you Michigan folks come to Canton, a lot of Canadians. Jeff and I have done that one. And that's that's turned into a great race. And one of the best C1 races prior to your good C1 races in Michigan. Yeah, that uh, Canton is, it keeps you honest. It's a really good preview race for the season. And it's a, uh, coming from a women's racing perspective, I, th- I think it's a really, like I said, really good, honest course, um, a good setup to have a lot of boats on it, actually, lots of variety, but it's very like power based. So you can definitely tell like it, it tends to favor um, the bigger, stronger paddlers, I would say, like racing women's there is pretty tough, but it's a good tough. So I, I mean, I'm planning to head back this year. So. <laughs> That's great. You mentioned course design and stuff like that. Uh, we have two gentlemen on here tonight with us that have seen an evolution of canoes and paddled a variety of watercraft, right? 
uh, course design of canoes and just the history of canoes. What you're talking about, Gene Jensen in and his boats and stuff like that, and in his boat building. Walk us through just that aspect of it. Yeah, I well, I guess from my perspective, when I started in the late '70s, early '80s, uh, again, most of the New England races were were the, the old USCA spec or whitewater. And uh, when you started to paddle uh, pro, which we started to do in the 70, and when we would go up to Canada, used to go, we used to do Mount Laurier and then the Classique. Remember that, Rebecca? It was a one week, one week and then the next week, so you'd stay up there for the whole week and do Mount Laurier and so forth. Uh, the early boats, there was the P1 and P2. Uh, there was several different Corbin, and I remember the one of the first, one of the Corbin boats where they first pulled in the gunnels. It was like, whoa, look at that. They pulled in the gunnels. Uh, and then I was in an old Tuttle boat. You remember Andy Tuttle had a pro boat? I also had a Megatuck 007. Bill, you got to get the Megatuck. Oh, that was actually designed for Al Rudquist, I think. It was especially designed for Al. And it certainly didn't work with me, but it was the best I could. And we used to the covers. Rebecca, remember we used to staple them? All wooden gunnels, Bill. Ryan, you might remember that you'd go along with a staple gun. Pow, 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 pow. And then you tape your cover on your boats. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is back in the day. And I've then seen, in 85. I've seen some photos with that staple on cover. Do you remember? Yeah. And then in 85, uh, Gene came out with the V1. They got to remember back when he was racing with Estes in the 50s, he came up with this V bottom boat that was so extreme. It was more like a, uh, a, a, a sprint boat that was so floppy. It just fell over. It was, You couldn't keep it upright unless you kept paddling. And they. Therefore, all the organizations outlawed the so-called V-bottom. Remember this, Rebecca? Or you, well, you were too young, but Bruce I was too remembers. young, but I know about it. <laughs> Bruce knows. And so there was there was this rule called no V-bottom. So Gene came up with this boat called the V-1, which had a slightly V-bottom, and it sort of revolutionized sport. But boy, oh, Michigan and Canada, oh no, no V-bottom. You got to go with a hassle or the and uh, we uh, you couldn't race the the uh the v1 for the, several years and then serge got a hold of one and really liked it convinced canada to, to take it on and then finally in 92 it was okay in michigan so uh and then you know now then there became the the gillies the the uh the dillers started coming out and and the various designs you're all familiar with and now the modern corbins the 95 and the 210 and guess what guys I hear down in Florida, there may be a 97 Corbin out there that uh, was a prototype. It's very hush-hush, but I think everybody's going to be trying it. Keep it quiet, <laughs> though. Don't let anybody know. I won't tell anybody. Not a soul, right. Peter. Don't Ma keep it mom's, quiet. Mom's the word. Mom's the word. Mom's the word. Yeah. So we don't normally ask this of our, our guests. But since both of you guys have paddled uh, so many different boats with so many different people, I'm going to start this off with Jeff. But is there something you look for in a boat or is there a design you really think like works well when you're kind of, you know, racing with a lot of different partners? Well, my first pro boat was a Peterson. Uh, Peter Kepler took that out to the Asabo for my first time in 96. And I just vividly remember taking it to jigging and they said to me it's an eighth inch too long and i thought they were joking and he said no i'm serious and he said you've got an hour to get it <laughs> luckily we we're staying at penrod so we ran back there and filed down the back i said these guys are here 
<laughs> I remember that. And I had that only for a couple of years. And then I got a, I don't know what, in between. Jurgen had some boats, I guess I was using with him. But then I got a V1 and I've had, I think, three of them. And uh, when I used to go to Classic, I can't do that anymore with my knees. But I wouldn't go up there with anything but a V1 for me. When you get 2010 was crazy, crazy rough. And, uh, you know, we made it just fine. Absolutely. I've, I've said it over and over and over again. I still believe a lot of teams out there would be much better off in a in a nice V1 yeah. than a lot of the other boats out there. It's still the standard, in my opinion, for racing canoes. And so anybody that's come with me to the marathon is with me has been in a V1 because half of them didn't have boats anyway. So, um, you know, and then I'm comfortable in mine. So I want to be, uh, you know, use that. Although this year I'm racing with uh, Tina Pham and got to use her boat because she's got some deal with surge made for her with the seat all the way back. He only goes about a buck 10 or something. I don't know. She's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I'll be out first time. I agree with Jeff and Bill. I mean, uh, I've had a V1 for years and years and it was just a, a boat that did everything well and, and nothing really poorly. I think there are certainly boats, newer designs that have exceeded in certain conditions. But like we talked about, it, it really depends on the paddler, the weight, the style, and where you race. Uh, the 95 Corbin, of course, has won so many times, at, at, and it's certainly a great boat for Osabel, uh, but it's particularly a good boat if you're in the lead or you're alone or up front. Um, if you're back where I am, and Jeff is probably a, a V1, is great, and I my, my boat of choice now is the JD2 because, again, I race with so many different bow people, and the JD2 does really well in shallows, but it, it's very forgiving and it's great on waves. It, it jumps waves, it rides waves, and you can put it in so many different positions uh, that, that I just think it's a great boat for, for people that are not in the top 10. JD2 is a Swiss Army knife of racing canoes. It's a Swiss right. Army knife. Swiss Army knife. That's and of course the the JD three is probably the most stable boat now. I mean, there's a lot of great boats, and the Gillies still. I remember when that came out, but it was made by John Gillies back in those days. And it, it the the it, when the Rhymers got it and built it, it was much you know it really started to be a great boat just because of the way they built it. And the Gillies are still great for certain people, and and I think it's great for medium size or lady paddlers. I particularly I love the Gillies so. Yeah, I think I think that's one thing you guys have touched on a lot between both of you is there's a we have options and and all of them can be good in certain conditions. But the main thing is you have to be comfortable with you and your partner in, in whatever you're paddling. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think we discussed that a great example of that I think, as we mentioned, uh, would probably have been Jordan and Matt a couple of years ago. And uh Jordan just needed to find a boat that he felt really comfortable in. And when he felt comfortable, you saw how fast they were. Jordan and Matt together, unbelievable. And I still remember that. And they absolutely, yeah. They they shared that? that story with us uh after they won and set the record, like the 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 process and why the JD2 was the boat. And what it came down to was Jordan was comfortable. Like yes. that that was it. It it wasn't that this boat was better than that boat or anything of that nature, but in the two he was comfortable and in marathon racing, it makes a huge difference. Exactly. And, and uh, like we said, uh, 
when rookies get into it, they shouldn't just look at who's winning and take think they're in the fastest boat. They're going to go the. They should get in a boat that they're comfortable in and and can learn how to paddle in all different positions: front, back, side, big waves, shallows. They got to learn turn. So be comfortable. That's how you get better. And and I think that probably matters even more the further back you are, right? The guys oh, that yes. are t- typically the guys that are winning the race are putting hundreds and hundreds of hours a year in their canoe, have been paddling um, maybe for a while. And like, you know, you can put them in a bathtub and, and they have an idea of how to make it move, right? <laughs> well, Weston brings that, that P1 up to paradise, right? And, oh, yeah. and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous boat. But here he is. It's in like the top three. And people are like, that thing's been obsolete for 30 years. It doesn't matter. Like he's well, that can make good. it go, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, what do you guys... You know, you've you've kind of I both have been paddling for many years. I mean, longer probably than I've been alive. And I'm usually like the old hat on the show. So (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is a good thing, though. I I look up to that. I I want to beat your records with this. But um, what's what's kind of things as you've mentored, mentored people coming into the sport that you that you really try to import part onto them? like, I guess, what's your, what are your best tips? What do you think, Jeff? You've battled with so many people, too. Well, I mean, you have to be patient, for sure, because it's sometimes a struggle in the beginning. But I had two great mentors that um, Susie Morris took me up to Schwinnigan uh, before I even owned a boat, I think 1999, I think. Yeah, 99. And, yeah, and nobody, you know, would have taken a chance on me at that point. And then uh, Lisa... Salvini, when I was paddling with her, did my first uh, serious Clinton with her. And she, I just remember, and you know these two guys, Peter, um, Finkler and Quadrosi, we were beside them for the whole second half. And she kept telling me to ease up, ease up. And I'm like, I don't know why, you know, she wants to ease up. They finally pulled over for a feed and she said, you've been pulling them for like three hours. And I didn't know. (laughs) I just didn't know. Susie Morris would tell me, you feel that wave? And I'm, I'm looking around for a wave that's like eight inches, you know, and breaking, you know. And I said, no, I don't feel any wave. And, but it just, I mean, there's so much to it. That, um, and then the other th- the thing I found is don't try to give them too much information all at once. You know, just start with the real basics. And once they grasp that, then move on. But I heard, I've seen, there was a guy out in Michigan that was, trying to coach um, Bridget DeLeo um, last year when I was on a practice run with them. And just, I mean, it was really good stuff, but it was way over their head, you know. Too much. Yeah. yeah. You, we, we, see it, we, we see it all the, all the time. Yeah, yeah, just just too much. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're trying to grasp the first subject, and you're already laying, you're right. piling on yeah. like six more. Yeah. And, and I, I think one of the great things about paddling is that it, it's it's like anything, like a golf swing or like batting a ball. It looks so easy, but it is not. It's so complex. There's so many nuances and subtleties to the stroke, to your balance, to turning, to 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 group riding, wave riding. And there's so much to it. There's a long learning curve, and I think people have to be patient. Like Jeff said, you got to be patient. Take it slow. Enjoy paddling. One of the great things about our sport, it is so much fun. I, there's no other sport where you can train in such beautiful condition all the time. Whatever river, you can be in the middle of a city, 
you can be out in the Osaba, you can be on the De Plain or the Susquehanna, and you're out there training, and it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, and the people. Uh, well, you, you guys are all examples of the, the camaraderie of canoe paddling has kept me going for years. The people I've met, the people that have helped me, again, uh, Rebecca, you might, again, 80s and 90s, there was nobody that really would formally help you. There was no, that's why I wrote that book originally. But I would get, people would drop me or, or you know, go by me. And then at the end of the race, Bruce would come up and say, Peter, you know what you did there? Or Tim, oh, Tim Trebo, he would, you know, push me out. And then he'd tell me, gee, Peter, don't let me do that to you. I go, what did I do? What did I do? They help you. People would help you. Lynn Whitty, yeah, they, everybody would help you. And that's one of the great things about canoe sport. And that's still Still the same, but to Bill's point, I think so many people, you get so much information, so many people want to sort of coach you that you you, you can get overloaded. So you want to introduce people to the joys of paddling uh, yeah, without giving them too much at, at a time. And it, if, if you have any, and any sense at all, you're going to love this sport. And I, I, I certainly do. And you all do, too. Rebecca, I'll tell you a story about your dad when I was in 18 with Brianna Fitzgerald, who's just a great kid and probably the best turn person I've had out there. She, we were fooling with the boat down by the pumping station there by um, before spikes in the morning, and your dad was jogging up the road, and he stopped and he said, "Brianna, he says, um, you get your bottom hands a little high." He said, "He said I was watching you in the spike sprint." He said, "It's okay for a sprint, but." Today, you got to get that hand down a little lower for the long off. And she just was looking at him. Her eyes were this big, you know. And I, yeah. she said, Brianna, that, do you know Bruce? She said, no, not really. I said, I've been coming out here for 20 years. He's never said anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I would want to mention another thing. Another great thing about paddling is so, in many sports, you just have to be, well, you uh, it, it really is have to be naturally athletic. If you, you know, you have to have hand-eye coordination with certain sports or so. But, but you know, canoe racing, I'm not trying to say, you can sort of be an average person and do very well just by learning and working hard, being persistent, being dedicated, come out and do the hours and you're going to get better and you're going to get competitive. Uh, and you don't have to be a world-class athlete to enjoy uh, competitive paddling. You, you, you know, it's, it's a great sport for so many people. Oh, a- a- absolutely. You see a variety of competitors from top yes. to bottom. Um, I-, I walked away from a fantastic running career in high school, and I'll never forget the last conversation that I had with my coach when I told him I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to run track this year. Wow. It-, it was, you- you're never going to get this again. You're never going to compete again. You walk away, you quit right now. Not Not only are you giving up your future potential and any collegiate offers or anything like that, that may come by, but you're just never going to compete again. And I just Uh. walked out and I found canoe racing and it's like, Holy cow. Right. You have people of all shapes, sizes, ages, background, skill level, stuff like that. Everybody is out there having a blast competing, racing their own race. And it's, it's spectacular. I'd really like to find him again. Well, I know where he is, but it's, um, I'll never talk to that dude again. Um, and just go, Hey, look, man, you were wrong, right? I, here I am. I love to compete and I'm competing again. And, 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 kinda, and kind of add to that Bill. older athletes, Jeff and I will attest to this. And so I'm sure will Bruce and Tim, I know they're, they're 
getting older like us uh, and they still enjoy it. And uh, they're getting a little slower like me and Jeff probably. We're all getting slower, but it is still so much fun. And yet paddling because it's a upper body torso, you know, you're not relying on your knees and, and uh, it's not weight support. It, you you don't lose as much, uh, I think, as you get older. I mean, you do lose, but not as much. And you can remain competitive. And Rebecca, how about women in paddling? I mean, what a great sport for women. Strength for weight. It's so much. You walk walk back in the lines of the ensemble. Look at all the fabulous women, doubles women, mixed people. I just love this sport because it's something we can all compete on almost a level playing field. Exactly. I just love it like that. It's great. Yeah, it's a it's a really good sport for women to get into. Uh, and I think the team aspect, too, you know, yeah. with none of us being like true professional athletes, regardless of where we're finishing in the field, you get that like being able to share that experience with somebody else is something really special. You know, I've Very done a lot special. of ski races, a lot of running races, and, and those are cool. But like having that moment in time where you you really get to bond with that other person, um, especially if you're doing any of the longer races or, you know, it, I don't know, it, it really cements that friendship and that camaraderie. And I, I think that keeps a lot of people involved as well. So yeah. true. Yeah. This, this sport has been life changing for me and I imagine for everybody in this, this conversation as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it really has. I mean, I just, and family oriented and, and, uh, again, Rebecca, your family's the, the. I mean, there's so many families. Uh, I came out to Michigan. You know, the Cocas, the the uh, the Coloniches, the Bartons, the Trebols, the, everybody. There were so many families out there. I just love this. And my family kept going. Look at your family. And wait till your 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 children start paddling too, Rebecca. It's just going to keep going. You know, your your grandfather, your father, you. Now you're children and i'm trying to do the same bill we're, we're already we're already we're already waiting to call dibs on jack and wade's oh. like you know yeah look at Andy. Andy. look i i paddled against well i paddled with tim my first ensemble tim and joe johnson right next to me and bob i'm trying to follow them i thought they knew where to go and we went up the <laughs> south branch no gps tim goes jason we're going the wrong way i said tim i thought yeah I, i'm from a nominee says i knew <laughs> but now and then Andy became the now Owen is coming on and Nico right? and Nico too children, Nico and yeah Dane yeah uh, Owen and Travis Nico. Mecklenburg look at all the young people and I got to say this a shout out to Michigan nobody does a better job developing the young people in our sport than Michigan you guys are just I I wish we could all figure it out like you guys have got it going up there just terrific we see it all the time we you know I wish we're all struggling to get the young people into our sport. I think the ensemble does a lot to encourage that just because it's an event, you know, you go yes. see it once and uh, it it inspires a lot with just, I mean, just being part of the crowd again, it's the kind of that collective experience is, uh, I, I think that helps us a ton in, in Michigan. And I, you know, that's one thing I think again in Quebec, they do a pretty good job of getting uh, younger yes. paddlers going. So I'm so. really hoping that they can get the, the situation with the classic figured out here because they they do have a lot of people going and they have some really strong clubs in history and we just need to keep keep that momentum going yeah for for sure shout out and kind of kind of thoughts to the to the members of that paddling community as they try to work their way through this situation um fingers crossed that that we're back on the water 
uh, Labor Day weekend like usual. Hey, Jeff, I got to ask, like, at at some point in Junction, did you intentionally decide to go for the like the mentoring kind of record of the ensemble or was that just an accidentally (laughs) happened kind of thing? Jeff is great that way. Intended that um, at one point. some results went up, and a friend of mine from home, Travis Wheeler, said, ah, that must be a record. And, and uh, of course, Ryan was right on it. And he said, oh, Lynn, Lynn Whitty's had 10 or whatever, but that was a few years ago. Um, no, it's just, uh, I don't know, I guess I got lucky. I got lucky with all of them, uh, all but one finish. So, and some turned out some great relationships with most of them. Um, I haven't haven't had a rookie now, and I won't again this year for three years. But I think hopefully, if I can get one more year after my nephew did his first Clinton last year, and he's the one that when he was probably from ten to fourteen, he went all over New England racing whitewater with me, and uh, then he got away from it, got a family, but his wife got him a uh, Jensen eighteen for his fortieth birthday. And he got back into it, and he's making noise about the marathon now, and I love to do that. Get one. Oh, more. you're you're you're. I am not a lawyer, but I happen to be staying. Well, I guess it isn't a Holiday Inn Express; oh, oh. it's a Staybridge Suites. Um, he, but you're legally and morally obligated, right? Like you have to. Like this has to happen. You have uh, to go with your nephew and get him down the river. I took him to the ninety miler when he was, I don't know, about ten, I guess, and I was in a sixteen foot. Um, uh mad river kevlar boat i had to carry it myself and he'd walk down the road with me but he could paddle skinny uh, tiny little kid at that point all he would eat was hot dogs and macaroni and cheese yeah it, it, it's amazing how we how we form those those yeah. memories of those moments though it's oftentimes it may not even be a like a, a super competitive moment so to speak my like one of my all-time favorite canoeing, just paddling memories. I was, uh, I don't know, 13. Um, and it was the Bremner River in Ontario. And it was a fly-in canoe trip with the the football and the track coach from a, a different school district. He would take uh, athletes from the different communities. It's more like a recruiting kind of thing. But he'd fly them. He'd take them up there. We'd fly in. And then paddle out a different remote route. And he was like, hey, guys, we've never like we've never tried this one. We can't find any record or history of it. We portaged five miles. okay, just absolutely bushwhacked back into this lake that nobody had been back into due to the restrictions and then paddled out. And it was the most amazing paddle of my life that just really changed my trajectory where I was like, I have to I have to paddle. This is something that I really genuinely love. Um, we wrapped a old town, I think it was a discovery, maybe it was a Penobscot around a rock on that trip. And I've never been so scared of, yeah, the whole thing bent like a banana into a U and I was like, oh my God, this is where I'm going to die as a kid in the middle of Canada. And it just popped back out. No, you know, away we went. Yeah. Yeah. Duck tape the goggles. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. There, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're also, we're so blessed to have a sport like this to share with so many people. <laughs> My first 20 years were whitewater, and at that point, you had your partner, and it was like you never switched partners. 
we raced every weekend against you know the same Peter knows these guys Ken Osborne and Tom yeah and then half the guys didn't even get along but that was your partner and then all of a sudden it started to people started swapping out and I think that's been the best thing that I've seen in canoe racing yeah I I got to say I have seen a few fist fights on the on the sandbanks a couple times when. People weren't quite getting along, but that's rare. It's rare. And they usually get right back in and keep going, right? <laughs> still... Well, they got to get back to their car. <laughs> right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, the other, the paddlers are always ready to help. If somebody needs it, you, people, they will stop. They don't care. You'll always get help if you're in trouble in, in canoeing and kayaking. It's wonderful that way, too. I, um, I love that about our sport. Yeah. <laughs> been interested in listening to these other all of both podcasts is hearing these top guys talk and they're having the same problems that we are having they're just going faster you know but <laughs> can't be in the boat and it's, it's good to hear if you don't you just think you know these guys are supermen they're all supermen there are a lot of them are having the same problems we are yeah again the podcast that you folks do bill Ryan, Rebecca, and, and Carson, and, and Kyle out there, I mean, they really are just doing a terrific job of letting everybody hear these uh, fabulous stories, and, and I think really promoting the sport like we, we need to have it promoted. It's just terrific. You guys got to, I can't thank you enough for what you're all doing, I'll tell you that, so it's a huge difference. For sure. Well, it's been great to have both of you guys on and like you've (laughs) you've done probably more than the rest of us combined for promoting the sport and really uh, growing it and bringing a lot of people in. And I know I'm just tickled to have both of you. I know, Jeff, uh, it's been really cool for me. You know, I started paddling with my dad to start racing mixed and learning learning the stern from, you know, kind of an experienced bow guy up front. Um, and getting getting to see you do that and also like you race a ton of mixed which is just awesome to me because you know I've seen all the all the paddlers you've developed and I'm always like very when guys in Michigan are like okay I want to race mixed I don't know who to get I'm like okay look at the list of Jeff's partners I know they're all going to have good skills and it's going to be a good experience they know how to race and I always recommend them um, to the guys here <laughs> and they yeah. haven't been disappointed. <laughs> um, Gosh, and, no. And look, look at all the women coming on. The look at the Texas women. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they got there's talent. a big pile of them. Yeah, oh, just fabulous. I yeah, more guys should and, race, get a shot at racing mix. Nobody's raced mix as much as probably Jeff. You really yeah. don't have a job with that, Jeff. And, well, because I want to and I have to be in the bow, so it's easier to get, <laughs> look for stern people. The women are. And I think they learn, I think they're mentally tougher than we are, and they pick it up quicker, too, because they actually listen. So, I I always tell these guys, um, when we're when I'm paddling, you know, I jump in with a bunch of different people, and if you're paddling with a, a guy, the first thing they do when you jump in is they have to go as hard as they can. So like, I paddle yep. with a new Press. guy, never... <laughs> Never paddled with him before. He jumps in the front. He has to go as hard as he can. And I just want to be, I just want to say, like, look, I'm married to Mike. I paddle with him every day. I've raced with Andy. Like, you you can't possibly make this boat go faster than I've, I've gone before. Like, right? Yeah. You're, I've paddled with Big Fred. Like, it's it's just not going to happen. 
But right now, somebody is going to listen to that and go, challenge a second. Now, how are you going to well, beat your husband, Mike, or, or Andy, or any? Oh, my gosh. Or your Bruce. Well, I mean, you've done it with the best. Uh, you can. Well, and then you get in with a women's boat, and the very yeah. first thing that happens every single time <laughs> is it doesn't matter if I'm Bauer Stern. The other woman gets in, and she says, is my stroke okay? Do I need to move my seat? Like, does this feel okay? Do you prefer if I, like, go on the same side around the corner or draw? Like, it's it's immediately collaborative, right? So, like, our strength right. is to, like, get the boat feeling as smooth as possible. And it's just a very different experience. <laughs> yeah. That is and, so and, funny. So <laughs> and uh, I know, you know, Peter... You being the stern guy, you know, I, I relate to that really well my, myself yeah. because I'm, I even though I've paddled some bow now, a stern is my home. And uh, you actually, the first the first time Mike went up to, to Schwinnigan, yeah. he was looking for a partner, you know, Michigan guy. And I was, he was like, I don't know who I should go with. I don't know anyone who's been up there. And I, I had him give Peter a call because I knew, <laughs> I knew he'd make it down safe, you know, because... You get a lot of guys from Michigan have never seen a wave before. Cool. <laughs> you got to have someone who's confident in the stern and, and can get them down. And you did. You guys had a fantastic race. I got to be right next to you most of the days. And yes, you were right there. We had such a great, you know, I had such a thrill paddling with Mike. And I was in, I think, 2011, just when he was really coming on, mm-hmm. starting. And uh, I remember that. It was wonderful. And I just felt so bad for for Mike, when you know we're running, I think like eleventh or twelfth, we come into Grand Mare, the portage, and oh my God, poor Mike. He said, "Now, don't worry, man." He kept calling me Mister Heat. I kept saying, "No, I'm Peter, Peter." Not, I know I'm old, but and then you know, poor guy, he's practically pulling me, you know, and and we lost like eight or nine places on the portage, and I kept saying, "Sorry, Mike, sorry, Mike." We're, Mike said, "Don't worry, we'll get him, we'll get him." I said, "Okay, okay." <laughs> he was fabulous. Oh, I just enjoyed it. and and look at the look look at what he's become. Just one of the absolute top best guys, and uh, one of the nicest guys. So you you two are you really are terrific. So that was a great thrill of mine. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much. I don't I don't know if Ryan or Bill have any other. Any other questions for you? You guys have shared a great wealth of knowledge with oh. us today. I, I had one more. Uh, it's kind of going to jump back to the canoe topic. Uh, this is maybe more geared towards Peter. Um, when the the specs were unified in 92, I, I heard a lot of stories about how there was hesitation to unify those. And I was just kind of getting, wanted to get your, like, your perspective on on how that might have came about from a paddler's perspective and, and what you think has been the benefit or yeah. or not benefit of that happening. Yeah, I mean, there was a, it, I got to tell you, there was a lot of rancor back uh, 89, 90, 91. Uh, uh, there was a, a time we went up to the, I call it Schwinnigan, the classic. They actually had giant meetings because Gene had redesigned a boat called the P3, which was really a V1 in uh p3 disguise and they brought up a stripper and uh, that made a big thing and it it created a lot of problems uh, and and uh it was a sort of a, ne- a negative side of paddling i didn't see that much because everybody loved the hassle we love uh, the hassle was a great boat but this this v1 really changed things 
And I really got to think uh, Serge had a huge part of uh, getting that accepted up up in the Classic in Quebec. And when that happened, uh, Michigan came around. Uh, and I, again, I remember the days I had a V1 and a hassle for Michigan. And anytime I came out to Michigan, I used my hassle, which I, I love. But uh, I, I think the sport has benefited. And now uh, it has encouraged other designs that came after that. All the different JDs, the, the you know the Gillies, the uh, uh, and the various other designs that have been out there. So, uh, and hopefully it hasn't stopped. Uh, people need to keep tinkering with it. That's innovation and design. I still have a hassle boat. I absolutely love yeah. that thing. I picked it up a couple of years ago, and everybody's like, "What are you doing with that?" And I'm like, "It's awesome. You don't even understand how great this boat is." Oh, it, yeah, it really yeah. is. I did yeah. my first marathon in a hassle. Did you? All oh, right, yeah. yeah. Did you? I, I, <clears throat> did my second one in a V1. Oh, <laughs> boy. I would like to hassle. It didn't seem to, when you got tired, it didn't seem to slow down as much. I The V1, you seemed to have to stay on it. And when you started to run out, you started to bonk a little. Your speed would yeah. fade off. Uh, uh, and the hassle would keep, it may not have the top end in some of the places, but it kept cruising. I just liked the hassle. And the way, I liked the way it turned, too. Yeah, yeah, interesting design. So it is ab- yeah. absolutely fantastic. And I, well, I know there's still folks right in Michigan, like uh, John Webb and so on. They're they're still playing with the design a little, trying to uh, fine yeah. fine tune the hassle. Fine tune it, man. The 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 hack hassle. Well, hey, I, I I have to say thank you so much for coming on this evening. It, it's been absolutely fantastic, Jeff and uh, Peter. I can't say thank you enough, and I hope you both have wonderful, wonderful seasons. Um. Uh, on behalf of all of us here at Canoe Race World, thank you for joining us here as we kick off the 2024 canoe racing season and keep paddling on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com And don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.